the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information about Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. And now, here's Cynthia. Well, this is Cynthia Hyatt, and welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And this is going to be a different type of message that I'm sharing with you today. This is called, My Name is Suffering. Now, we are all suffering in many ways, some more than others. Maybe we've suffered in the different times of our life in very, very big ways. Maybe we're suffering like that today. Maybe we are suffering in minor ways. But this is a very hard place to live. I tell patients all the time, it's very hard down here. It's very difficult to live down here. And so I, I want to start this with a great quote that I found by Billy Graham. And this is what he says. Comfort and prosperity have never enriched the world as much as adversity has. What an amazing thought. Because one of the things I am telling clients all day is, you know, if there's anything good in you, pain will find it out. And so he says again, comfort and prosperity have never enriched the world as much as adversity has. So Job, it's a book on suffering because we all suffer. This is why the story of Job in the Bible is so relevant to us. So let me tell you what happened to our brother Job, because he suffered in every way. Thousands and thousands of years ago, this man Job was a follower, a worshiper of the Lord, obeying his commands and living a righteous life. And then a very interesting thing happened. So I want you to sit back, relax, as I tell you the story of Job. This says, Job was a man who lived in us. He was, an, he was honest inside and out, and a man of his word. He was totally devoted to God and hated evil with a passion. He had seven sons and three daughters. He was also very wealthy. 7,000 head of sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 donkeys, and a huge staff of servants. The most influential man in all the East. Now, his sons used to take turns hosting parties in their homes always inviting their three sisters to join him in their merrymaking. And when the parties were over, Job would get up early in the morning and sacrifice a burnt offering for each of his children thinking, uh-oh, maybe one of them sinned by defying God inwardly. So Job made a habit of the sacrificial atonement just in case they'd sinned. So he's living his own righteous life, and then he's atoning for his children. So the first test, this is the test of his family and fortune. 
So we see here, one day when the angels came to report to God, Satan, who was the designated accuser, came along with him. And God singled out Satan and he said, what have you been up to? Satan says to God, oh, going here and there, checking things out on earth. And God said to Satan, have you noticed my friend Job? There's no one quite like him, honest and true to his word, totally devoted to God and hating evil. And Satan retorted, so do you think Job does that all out of sheer goodness of heart? Why, no one has ever been that good. You pamper him like a pet. He makes sure nothing bad ever happens to him or his family or his possessions. You bless everything he does. He can't lose. But what do you think would happen if he reached down and took away everything that is his? He'd curse you right to your face, that's what. So God replied and said, well, we'll see. Go ahead. Do what you want with all that he has. Just don't hurt him. Then Satan left the presence of God. And sometime later, while Job's children were having one of their parties at the home of their oldest son, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys grazing in the field next to us when the Sabaeans attacked. They stole the animals, they killed the field hands. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened. So while he was talking, another messenger came and said bolts of lightning struck the sheep and shepherds and fried them. 7,000 burned them to a crisp. I'm the only one that got out alive. So while he was talking, another messenger arrived and said the Chaldeans came from three directions, raided the camels, massacred the camel drivers, and I'm the only one left alive to tell you what happened. While he was still talking, another messenger said, your children were having a party at the home of your oldest son, and a tornado swept in off the desert, struck the home, it collapsed on all the young people, and they all died. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened. Job got to his feet, ripped his robe, shaved his head, then fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I'll return to the womb of the earth. God gives, God takes. God's name be ever blessed. This is his last part of that statement. He said, God's name be ever blessed. Now it's important, not once through all this did Job sin. Not one time did he blame God. So here comes the second test. So he's lost everything. And the second test is his health. So again, one day the angels came to report to God and Satan shows up. And God says to Satan, what have you been up to? And Satan says to God, oh, going here and there, you know, checking things out. And God said to Satan, have you noticed my friend Job? Isn't that interesting? He's re- he is always saying his friend Job. There's no one quite like him, is there? He's honest and true to his word, totally devoted to God and hating evil. He still has a firm grip on his integrity. And God says to Satan, you tried to trick me into destroying him, but it didn't work. See, not only is Satan the accuser, but he's also the deceiver. He's so arrogant, he even tried to deceive God. And so Satan answered, A human would do anything to save his life. But what do you think would happen if he reached down and took away his health? He'd curse you to your face. That's what. God says, all right, go ahead. You can do what you like with him, but mind you, don't kill him. Satan left God and struck Job with terrible sores, ulcers and scabs from head to foot. I mean, this is, they itched, they oozed so badly. He had to take a piece of broken pottery to scrape himself. He went out and sat on a trash heap among the ashes. And his wife says, Still holding on to your precious integrity, are you? 
curse God and be done with it. Now, this is important here for, for we as women. We do not want to follow in the footsteps of Job's right, wife. Rather, we want to continue to encourage our husbands to trust in God and in his providence. Not only do we want to do this for our husbands, but for our brothers, our friends, our girlfriends, our moms. This is what we want to do for all of us that are suffering. So our husbands do this for wives. We want to continue to encourage people to trust in the Lord and his providence. So she goes on to say, I'm I'm sorry, Job says back to her, you're talking like an empty-headed fool. We take the good days from God, why not also the bad days? Now that's an amazing statement to make. And I pray often, repeatedly to God that I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to take the good days he gives me as well as the bad. So again, not once through all this did Job sin. He said nothing against God. Now three of Job's friends heard about his trouble. And they each traveled from their own country and they went together to keep him company and comfort him. And when they first caught sight of him, they couldn't believe it. They hardly recognized him. And they cried out and they ripped their robes and they dumped dirt on their heads. Because, you know, this is how people expressed grief in those times. And so they sat on the ground for seven days, seven nights without saying a word because they could see how rotten he felt and how deeply he was suffering. Unfortunately, that didn't last very long, because we read chapter after chapter of his friends, one at a time, telling him that he must have done something wrong, that this was the only reason it was happening to him, because he deserved it. They told him he was proud and arrogant, and all the while, Job is only asking God for answers. He goes straight to the top, to God himself, and asks, What have I done wrong? I will repent. Tell me how I have sinned. What did I do to deserve all this? Have you ever felt that way? I know I have. I have. Many times, though, my repentance to God is saying, you know, I know I deserve this, so please have mercy on me. And God God does. But we see this with Job. God is saying he has done nothing wrong and he has not lost his integrity. And so Job is saying, tell me, what have I done? And so feeling that, just as Job, you could be considered an individual devoted to God, right? I mean, I'm devoted to God. I know that I don't live a perfect life, though. I know that suffering comes. I also know that testing comes. And so maybe you feel that you're very devoted to God, and then the test comes. The first test for Job was losing his family, all of his fortune. So maybe you've lost family members to terrible disease, to murder, to suicide, you prayed and asked God for healing from them, and, and they, still were, they still were lost. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you lost all your livelihood. Maybe you were fired unfairly, or maybe you are stolen from, tricked into investing money. Or maybe you can relate to the second test, and this was Job's health. So he became covered in boils to the point that he was scraping them off with pot shards, cursing the day he was born. So are you struggling with health issues that cannot seem to be solved? Are you in pain? Are you not not knowing how to find relief? And see, this is when Job cries out to God and he says, Job spoke up and cursed his fate. He did not curse God. It says in chapter 3, verse 23, what's the point of life when it doesn't make sense? When God blocks all the roads to meaning. And he further says in verse 26, 
My repose is shattered. My peace is destroyed. There's no rest for me. No rest ever. Death has invaded my life. And in chapter 7, verse 7, he says to God, Remember, O God, my life is but a a breath. My eyes will never see happiness again. Do you feel like Job? Have you ever felt like Job saying, what's the point? What's the purpose of all this suffering? I wish I had never been born. So what we want to think about is even if Job were sitting, because we know he's human, God was not considering his humanity and how he was dealing with it all as sin. He was still living a righteous life. He was doing the right things, and if he messed up, he repented. He was regularly offering sacrifices to the Lord for himself and his family. And besides, does anyone deserve all of what he got? So when we look at the life of Job and we're seeing that there is testing, we also know that we get consequences. But if you are feeling that you are in this position, I want to talk further about this story of Job and what we can learn. This is Cynthia Hyatt from Conversations with Cynthia. Join me again in the next segment. Thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And today, we are talking about Job, the book of Job. And the title of this message is called, My Name is Suffering. And as I was putting together this message, I was reading different things about Job, and I always like to, to look at names and what names mean. And what, what the name Job is synonymous with is the word suffering. So essentially, when you are saying Job, you're saying suffering. And so names are very important. My name is, is um, bringer of light. That, that's what it means. Cynthia means bringer of light. Now, many times I don't feel like I'm reflecting the light of the sun. Many times I feel like my name could be suffering. So maybe you feel like you want to introduce yourself. Instead of saying, hello, my name is John, maybe you want to say, hi, nice to meet you. My name is suffering. Because we are suffering down here. This is a difficult, difficult place to live. So what we see with this whole idea about Job, and we were really going over the story in the first part of this hour, is that what is going on here? Why would God allow this kind of suffering? And what's interesting is that God didn't do this to Job. We see in, in, the, last, um, in the first part of the hour that Satan is saying, well, if you did this to him, he would then curse you. And God says, do what you will. So God is not the hand of adversity. God is allowing a test, though. And so we see that one of the reasons this was fascinating to me as I was studying this, this was actually God proving who Job was. Because you have to understand, this whole idea of why do bad things happen to good people? And part of this is because there is an accuser, and Satan, he is real, and he is out to destroy you and me. So what is God doing? Actually, he's justifying Job because Job is being falsely accused by Satan. Satan is the accuser. Don't ever listen to his lies about you. God knows you're a sinner, but he also knows your heart. And he is not angry with you because you're struggling with sin. So think about this idea that God is saying, I know my friend Job. 
and he referred to Job as his friend. He said, have you seen my friend Job? And Satan falsely accuses Job. And so what God is doing is proving, proving to the world for all time who Job really is. So many times we have tests that prove who we are. And sometimes they prove who we're not and who we need to be. So this is what God says in Isaiah 55, 8. He says, I don't think the way you think. The way I work isn't the way you work. For as high as the skies soar above the heaven, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. So you see, God is being both advocate and justifier for Job. He is proving who Job is. He is showing the real Job in a way that can't be disputed. This is, there is this famous saying, and I don't know who wrote this, but it says, God may not pay at the end of the day, but in the end he always pays. And what we will see at the end of Job's life is a reward far surpassing anything he lost. The difficulty is Job could not see the end. He couldn't see what God could see. And, and he couldn't know how it would end up. He had to trust his God. He had to trust who God says he is. And so when we think about this idea of Job's name is synonymous with suffering, when you use the name Job, you're essentially saying suffering. And names are very important. And so you may feel like I'm suffering. That name would fit me better. So when we look at this, we see Job, he asked why. He asked why me? And he puts his questions to God. He did not take his sufferings quietly or piously. But Job took a stance. He positioned himself before God, and then he protested his suffering. And he's not only because Job suffered that it's important to us. It's important because he suffered in similar ways that we suffer, in very important areas of our lives. He suffered in the arenas of family, personal health, material possession, social standing, So this story is also important because he questioned God. And still God, throughout the story, calls him a friend. You see, it's not suffering so much that troubles us as it is the suffering that's undeserved. See, we understand when growing up, if we do something bad, we are punished. This makes sense. But as we get older, we begin to see that there's no connection to the amount of wrong we do and the amount of pain we may experience. In fact, many times it's the opposite. People do bad things and nothing happens. In fact, they may continue to prosper even more. We do good things and we get more hardship. We do the best we can and it still doesn't seem to work out. Can you relate to this? Because this is is tough, understanding this idea of suffering and testing and trying. So this is the suffering that first confuses us and then may anger us. This undeserved suffering, this inexplicable suffering that doesn't make sense or when you have to watch someone you love suffer and we see that with job's friends they sat with him for seven days quietly because of how deeply he was suffering but after seven days they couldn't take it anymore and so they started wanting to find answers of their own they started making up their own conclusions about why he was suffering and they started blaming him and so we have to be careful when we are seeing someone in our life that is suffering and it doesn't seem to be ending and it doesn't seem to make sense that we don't take the position of Job's friends and begin to think, well, they must deserve this because God wouldn't let this happen to anybody. This doesn't make any sense. 
or we start to give them trite answers, or, or we want to explain away, or we want to, we, we want to give them solutions. We want to tell them what we think God is doing. And so what we see here is that Job gives voice to his sufferings accurately and honestly, that anyone who has ever suffered, which includes every last one of us, can recognize his or her own personal pain in the voice of Job. Job says boldly what some of us are too timid to say. He refuses to accept the role of a defeated victim. It's also important to note what Job does not do. Job does not curse God, as his wife suggested he should do. Getting rid of the problem by getting rid of God. That's important to note. He doesn't curse God, as his wife suggested that that he do. He's not getting rid of the problem by getting rid of God. But neither does Job explain suffering. And that's important. All through the book of Job, he doesn't try to explain what suffering is about. He doesn't try to instruct us in how to live so we can avoid suffering. Suffering is a mystery, and Job comes to respect the mystery. So what we find is that through respecting suffering, questioning suffering, we are brought into the mystery of God. The greatest mystery is that pain brings us closer to God and causes us to know him at a much deeper level. This brings an appropriate experience of awe, which is what we see in the story of Job. His suffering led to beautiful worship, peace, and restoration in a way we could have never imagined. And we are now awestruck by the one who died for us, redeemed us, and who will ultimately deliver us from evil and from ourselves. So this book of suffering is important to to truly understand that there is a mystery of suffering that we are not going to understand, but through it, we can know God better. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me again as we continue to look at My Name is Suffering. For joining me again, this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And today we are talking about the book of Job and understanding that Job's name is synonymous with suffering. This is why I entitled this message, My Name is Suffering, because I think many of us can oftentimes feel that the name suffering fits us better than the name we have. Many times we are in much suffering and we have in our lives probably experienced much suffering. And what we were talking about in the last segment is that it's not always necessarily the suffering that that is so difficult. It's the unexplained or the undeserved suffering. This This is what we find difficult. But what Job did, what happened with Job, is that he was brought into the mystery of suffering. Because all through this book of Job, he doesn't try to explain suffering or help but teach us about how to avoid suffering. He comes to respect that mystery. And so not only in this book about suffering, it's also about the power of relationship. And we see Job's relationship with God increasing while his wife's relationship with God decreases. 
And this is very important to understand because we are all going to endure suffering all throughout our life, sometimes great amounts, sometimes small amounts. And we are going to have suffering that we don't understand and is not deserved. And so Job's relationship with God increased while his wife's relationship decreased. So we see that God called Job his friend, and he was angry with Job's friends. Job's friends initially were were comforting. But when nothing changed in Job's life, they became accusers, which is how all of this started. Satan started by accusing Job, and now his friends are partnering and accusing. So Satan accused Job of being a man that only followed after God because his life was good. Job's friends took up the accusation and said that he was bad in getting what he deserved. And it was his fault that all this was happening, that if he were a better person, if he repented from his sin, none of this would be happening. And what is sad is that this has been going on since the beginning of time. People use the word of God, think they know God, think they know another person's heart, and assume why they are suffering. And wanting to give a quick fix, they are full of spiritual diagnoses and prescriptions. It all makes logical sense, but as we have learned, God's ways are not our ways. And humans want to reduce God's ways to what they can comprehend. And they oversimplify and think they know God, as if God has consulted them. So we can learn much from the story. Some we learn this whole portion of how Job dealt with this. We also learn these other characters, how his wife dealt with it, and then how his best friends dealt with it. So we want to understand that if we're in a position of suffering, we can learn a great deal from Job. If we have someone in our life that is suffering deeply, we can learn a lot from the story of Job. Because we don't want to partner with the enemy and become an accuser, just as Job's friends did. We want to partner with God and realize we don't know God's ways. We don't know his thoughts. We don't know why all of this is happening. Because many times we suffer. Some, maybe we do deserve some of it. Maybe a a great portion of it we don't. But what's important is that none of us know that other than God. So what was clear is that God was very clear with Job's friends. He was very angry with them for misrepresenting him. You see, Job's friends stood up as advocates and representatives of God and speaking for God. And Job was, God was not happy with the representation that Job's friends were, were giving him. So it's very important that we take pause when we are seeing people suffer, that we don't judge, that we don't begin to speak for God and determine whatever the outcome is going to be for that person or why they got into it to begin with. So when we are looking at this, I want you to look at this verse in James. It's chapter 1, 2, and 4, and it says, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. That's a tough verse for me to take because I know that many times I've been in a test and my faith has been shown as weaker than I thought it was. Sometimes I've gone through a test and I've thanked God for previous tests because I endured the test differently and I could give more glory to God. And so 
this part that it says at the end in verse 4, don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. And this is what trials, tribulation, and tests are about, strengthening us. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me again as we talk about the book of Job. for joining me. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And today we are talking about the book of Job. And that's why I entitled this message, My Name is Suffering. And I was talking in the previous segments about this idea that names mean something. And my name, Cynthia, is reflect, reflects the light of the sun or it's a bringer of light. And so I was telling you all in the last segments that many times I feel like Suffering is better, a better name for me, because Job's name is synonymous with suffering. So essentially, when you are saying Job, you are saying suffering. And so I'm sure that many of you can relate to that, that maybe you feel like you would rather introduce yourself as, hello, my name is suffering. And we've had these times in our life where we have suffered, and maybe you are suffering now. And so we're talking about this idea of tests and what testing does. And we're seeing that God allowed Satan to do this because actually what Satan was doing was accusing Job to God. And Job was called friend. God said, have you seen my friend Job? And Satan accused Job of not having the integrity that God was saying he had. And so one of the things that God did was he said, really? Well, then show me and I will show you who my friend is. And we see that Job came through that test and was exactly who God said he was. And so that testing that Job was going through was actually God addressing the accuser because his friend was being falsely accused. And so God was advocating and justifying Job. So we ended this last segment with this idea in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, that says, This faith under pressure, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. And that's a tough, that's a tough verse for me because I don't like testing. I don't like suffering. I really, it's tough. And honestly, there have been times in my life where my faith was shown for its true colors, and it was weaker than I, than I wanted. And there have been times that testing and trials have come, and my faith proved itself. And some of that, a majority of that, is because I had been tested. So this is the testimony of Job, our brother Job. And, and I want you to understand, Jesus is not happy about our suffering and our trials. Jesus came to stop death while teaching us how to live in a way that conquers death. That's tough. He came to stop death while teaching us how to live in a way that conquers death. Every time we trust God and pursue intimacy with him, we overcome the enemy. And we are then called a friend of God. 
we become God's friends. So God heard Job's cry and responded to him by telling him who he was. He told Job, he told Job who he was. God says to Job in chapter 41, verse 11, Who can confront me and get away with it? I'm in charge of all of this. I run this universe. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Job's appropriate response is seen in chapter 42, verse 1, when he says, I'm convinced you can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. That verse in and of itself needs to be a life verse for us. We need to say, God, we're convinced. You can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. And so we see at the end of this book that God restores Job. So in chapter 42, verses 10 through 17, this is what we're seeing. That after Job had interceded for his friends, God restored his fortune, and then he doubled it. All his brothers and sisters and friends came to his house and celebrated. And they told him how sorry they were. And they consoled him for all the trouble that God had brought him. Each of them brought generous housewarming gifts. So now people are being appropriate. So God blessed Job later, later in life, even more than in his earlier life. And he ended up with 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, 1,000 donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he named the first daughter Dove, the second Cinnamon, and the third Dark Eyes. And there was not a woman in that country as beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father treated them as equals with their brothers, providing the same inheritance. How interesting it is that Job is being this progressive man, however, 2,500, 5,000 years ago, that he treated the daughters as equal and gave them the same inheritance. And then Job lived another 140 years, and he's living to see his children and grandchildren, four generations of them. And then he died, an old man, a full life. Now that's important to note. When nothing is making sense, and our future looks bleak with no hope, we must remember that God's ways are not our ways. He is the great restorer. He can do better than what our best is. And he can put our world right side up when it's upside down. So, <clears throat> what do we learn from this incredible man? First time, first, first thing we learn is we are to take the good times and the bad times. Job told this to his wife in chapter 2, verse 10, when she encouraged him to curse God and die. And he says, you're talking like an empty-headed fool. We take the good days from God, why not also the bad days? And not once through all this did Job sin. He said nothing against God. It didn't mean he didn't protest. It didn't mean he didn't lament. It didn't mean he didn't question God. But he didn't speak against God. He cursed the day he was born because he was suffering so deeply. But he didn't curse God. So the first thing, we are to take the good days with the bad days. The second, we are to be honest with God. This creates friendship and intimacy. This is good for our soul. We then can be called a friend of God. Because relationship is the most important thing here. 
God knows us better than we know ourselves. He's closer to us than we are to ourselves. He wants to be our friend. He wants relationship with us. He also understands that in this world we will have trials and tribulations, but he has overcome it. And so we are to be friends with God, and that means we are to tell him our heart. We are to be honest with him. Job didn't hide anything from God. He also didn't run to his friends asking his friends for all the answers. He went straight to the top, and he talked with God. So the third thing we learn from this book is we refuse to be like Job's friends, assuming that we know why we are in the state that we are in. And we resist telling others what's wrong with them and assuming what their condition is because, that their condition is because of some great sin, that they are somehow responsible for their circumstances. We will not judge but comfort others in their suffering. And so we see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. And this is, this is called, actually entitled The Rescue. And it says, all praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. And we get a full measure of that too. When we suffer for Jesus, it works out for your healing and salvation. If we are treated well, giving a helping hand and encouraging word that also works to your benefit, spurring you on, face forward, unflinching. Your hard times are also our hard times. When we see that you're just as willing to endure the hard times as to enjoy the good times, We know you're going to make it. No doubt about it. These are very encouraging words of what suffering is and what God is doing when we are suffering, just as Jesus suffered for us and then is with us when we are suffering. And so I want to go back to this verse again in James to kind of put those two next to one another. And this is James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And this is, Faith under pressure, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. So when we see someone going through a trial and a test, we want to comfort them because when we comfort them, we give them endurance to withstand the pressure and to live that test and to make it through the test because the worst thing that we could ever do for ourselves or anybody else is prematurely get out of a test because if we do that, we only have to do it again because these tests are intended to perfect us. And so we don't want to get out of it prematurely. When we we comfort others with the comfort that we have received, we help them endure that trial so that they come out perfected in the way that God is wanting and designed. So what's this next one that we can learn? Well, number four is that we live a life of repentance, asking for God's forgiveness, forgiving ourselves, and forgiving others. 
What we saw in Job is that he lived a continuous life of repentance, sacrificing, atoning. Now, we're not going to practice Old Testament um, practices of sacrificing and atoning. But what what we're seeing is that he's not only practicing his own life of repentance, but he's also atoning for his children. So he's interceding for his children. So what we learn is that a righteous life is a repentant life. It's not a perfect life. And that's very important that we understand that God is calling us to righteousness, which is about repentance and forgiveness. We also want to be interceding for others as they go through their trials and they go through tribulation. So we also can know that this fifth one that we learn from this book is that we continue to believe that nothing is impossible for God, that he can do immeasurably more than what we can think of or imagine, that his ways are not our ways, his thoughts not our thoughts, nothing and no one can undo his plans. Furthermore, we will trust the one who died for us. You can trust the one who died for you, that he has good plans for you, plans to prosper, not to harm you, plans for hope, for a future. And this is very important that we realize nothing is impossible for God, and we see this in the book of Job. He would have never been able to even imagine how God would end his life when he was in the midst of his suffering. And so I like this Psalms, it's 118, verse 17, and it says, I didn't die, I lived, and now I'm going to tell the world what God did. God tested me, he pushed me hard, but he didn't hand me over to death. And so that is very, very powerful when you think about what God is doing. In this, He says, I didn't die, I lived, and now I'm telling the world what God did. He tested me, he pushed me, but he didn't hand me over to death. So what, he, what we know is he says his love never quits. Thank God his love never quits. In fact, what we see is how God really feels about us when we look at the, the, the love chapter. And so I want to encourage you to read the love chapter and realize that is how God loves you. That he's patient and kind. Very patient with you. He's not easily angered. He doesn't keep record of wrongs. He protects, he trusts, and he hopes in all of us. And so we can then comfort others with the comfort we have received so that we can endure the trials, the testing that is coming. So I hope that you will be blessed this week and comforted as you are dealing with the suffering that you may be incurring or that you may have endured. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate and spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay anytime at KPXQ1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.